Hey, Rich Paramount, welcome to our podcast. We really hope this message encourages and challenges you as you walk with the Lord every day. Enjoy this message. All right. I want to see how long you guys will stand tonight. As we're standing and, and honoring, can we honor your pastors in the house? Pastor Omar, Tijaletti, Pastor Isaac, Liz, Pastor Rob, and Carly, Pastor Jacob, and Linda, uh, Evangelist John and Christina, Pastor Omar, we're, oh, there's a whole household of pastors here, and you guys can take your seats. I'm so happy to be with you t- tonight. I have a word that I really was just praying through, and I really felt specifically that I wanted to minister here um, today. Before I do, I want to honor my family. I think I gave the team a picture of me and my, my wife and my kids. If you guys want to put it up. There we are. There's my kids. They're getting, I think last time Emery was much smaller when I came. And this is Emery. She's one. And this is Liam. He's seven. This is Lucas. He's four. <laughs> my, my sister had to tell me. And this is my daughter, Ryland. She's six. And this is my beautiful wife, Jessica, who we just celebrated 10 years together. Married. Um, and of course, I want to just say my brother and my sister come to this church, Rocky and Marcel. I love them. My, my, my crazy nephews and my, my even crazier niece, she's here. <laughs> and so I, this is family. Being here is family to you. But I want to talk to you about revival. How many of you would say, I want to experience revival? Come on, put your hands up. Put, put your hands up high. Okay, Pastor Omar, all these people will be there Saturday morning prayer. <laughs> put, everybody put their hands down real quick. They're like, wait a second, is that what it takes? If we desire to experience revival, we first must understand what it is. I, I remember growing, I've grown up in the church and I remember we had revival services and it was three day revivals and all I knew as a kid is three day revival meant it's going to be long. <laughs> I should bring blankets and pillows. I remember revivals, my, that's the time my mom would bring snacks um, because those, those were going to be long. But revival is not a service. It's not just a good moment. It's not a three-day encounter with the Lord. Revival is not even signs and wonders done in front of our eyes. Revival itself is a rejuvenated church. It's when a dying church or dying believer comes to life. Psalm 85.6 says, Will you not revive us again that your people may rejoice in you? Psalm 80.18 Then we shall not turn back from you. Give us life and we will call upon your name. Revival is when, when the, the, the lethargic, apathetic churchgoer comes to life. That is revival. There's a, there's a book by... Um, Leonard Ravenhill called Why Revival Tarries and it's it's an incredible book I'd encourage you to read it it's there's a quote I have a couple of quotes that I'm going to be pulling from there one of them says this revival is when a man who has crept along for years in conventional Christianity suddenly zooms into spiritual alertness becomes aggressive in the battle of the Lord and has a quenchless zeal for the lost 
there is a reason for it but we are so subnormal these days that the normal New Testament experience seems abnormal the secret of this jet propelled fellow we have just mentioned is that somewhere he has had Jacob like wrestlings with God and has come out stripped but also strengthened by the Holy Ghost this is the revival that we pray for that when people come into the church that their life actually begins to shift and begins to change it's when the, when the church goer that's been in the church for 5, 10, 15 years and hasn't joined into the battle just yet. It's when that church goer is, is sitting in the back row and, and watching everybody worship. When there's suddenly a moment in their spirit where they wake up and they say, wait a second. There's more than this. It's revival. Revival is what we pray to see. It's a move of God that impacts generations and generations and generations. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would speak tonight. Lord, I'm not trying to hype up a crowd. Lord, I just want to do what you've called me to do, to preach your word. Could you just ask him, could you lift your hands and just ask him to come to the room? Better yet, ask him to help you to become aware that he's already here. Come on, lift your hands, close your eyes, and ask him, Lord, open my eyes, let me see you. Lord, open my eyes, let me see you. Holy Spirit, nothing can be done without your power. So we ask you to make us aware that you're with us. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. Your worship team, isn't it amazing? You have a great, uh, Pastor Omar Lopez Jr., came to our church a couple weeks ago and he led worship and I'm just so jealous I'm just like man like in a perfect world Omar no I'm kidding I'm not gonna say too much I'll get kicked off the stage (laughs) Acts chapter 2 verse 17 through 18 says and in the last days it shall be God declares that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy and your young men shall see visions and your old men shall dream dreams I love that within this move of God there's generations that are working together there's generations that are experiencing the power of God even on my male servants and female servants, in those days I will pour out my spirit and they shall prophesy. Revival is when a generation turns back to God. It's when this move of God goes from father to son to, to grandson. It's, it, this is a lasting, genuine connection to the Lord. Revival is, is what we all are praying for. And here's the wonderful thing about revival. If you study revival history, if you look at even the way that God would move within the scriptures and the Old Testament, even into the New Testament, the, when God would show up was usually in the darkest times. And so I'm, I'm from the wonderful state of Texas, if you don't know, and uh, we're a little more free over there. Uh, uh, nobody's laughing. Okay. I usually preach on Sunday, so this is the Wednesday crowd. You're a little more tough. All right. That's fine. It's okay. I, I, I leave next week, and I, and I won't be back for a while. But... But it's funny because whenever there's an election season or things begin to pass that we definitely disagree with and there's, there's all these ugly things that are happening, it's almost as if the Christians kind of run and hide. Like, oh God, it's too hard. It's too dark. 
I'm just going to kind of sit back and avoid the confrontation. I'm going to sit back and avoid what's necessary to see the light actually be actually shown within the city that I'm in, within the community that I'm in. But God always has responded in dark times. And right now, can we all agree that we need a move of God? Can we all agree on that? Can we all agree that we need a genuine move of God? Not, not just a three-day service, not just a good moment with the Lord, not just an encounter, not just the goosebumps, right? But we need an actual, genuine move of God that actually doesn't just impact our church, but impacts our cities, impacts our states, impacts our nation, and we will see it. He will come. God is, God is faithful to his word. Isaiah 59 1 says, Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened that it cannot save, or his ear dull that it cannot hear. But here's the problem. Are you ready for the problem? Are you guys ready for the problem? All right. I'll tell you after I drink some water. Hold on. We often blame the world for the darkness. It's very often that it's like, man, this world is so bad. It's, what's going on? Like, why is everything happening like this? But, but we forget that as believers, we've been given dominion and authority to establish heaven on earth. It, as the scripture continues, where, when God is speaking, he's saying, I, I can save you. I'm, I'm, I'm available and I'm, I'm strong enough. I'm, 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 I'm there. I'm with you. I can hear you. And then he continues to say, but your iniquities have made a separation between you and your God. And your sins have hidden his face from you so that he does not hear. And here's the thing about the scripture. He's not writing to the world. This prophetic message is not to the Canaanites, the Philistines. This message is to the children of God. This message to say, I want to do something among you, but your lifestyle is not in alignment with what I've called you to be. So when we talk about revival, we often say things like, well, revival is when people get saved. And yes, that is a symptom of revival, but it is not revival in itself. Revival in itself is when the church steps into their rightful place as what they've been called to be. Revival is when the church, not just not reach Paramount, not reclaim Huddle alone, not just oh, us, these two churches. I'm talking about the church as a whole. It's when the church repents. It starts with us. We want to see a move of God. It starts with us. Revelation 3, 1 through 6. And the angel of the Lord, uh, angel of the church in Sardis write, The words of him who, who has the seven spirits of God and the seven stars. I know your works. You have the reputation of being alive, but you're dead. Wake up and strengthen what remains and is about to die, for I have not found your works complete in the sight of my God. Remember then what you received and heard. Keep it and repent. If you will not wake up, I will come like a thief, and you will not know what hour I will come against you. He's writing to the church, saying, you, you seem like you're alive. But there's actually some really bad things going on in your life. You're actually dead. I found this 
um, I pulled this from a study, uh, um, an article I was reading, and it says, a majority of Americans believe our country is going downhill. How many of you would say that? Anybody believe that? Okay, it's okay. The cameras aren't on you. You could be honest. <laughs> I know that I think that way. I feel like that. Like, man, it's getting really, it's really, really bad. Like, really bad, really fast. But, but listen to this article. It says, so we believe that our country is going downhill. Yet, church attendance as a percent of population has held steady since 1990. And probably since 1940. America added 50,000 new churches in the last 20 years of the 20th century to total 350,000 churches. The number of born-again Christians has grown, has grown The number of born-again Christians has grown steadily to 46% of adults today. Given the state of moral and spiritual decay, how is that possible? We blame the world. Now, I'm not here to bash you. I'm not here to to say, well, it's, you know, we're all a bunch, you know, it's all the church's fault. but But sometimes there has to be a reality check. And there has to be these moments where it's like, you know what, am I, am, I, am I really serving God or am I going to church? Does, does my life, now, now, don't get excited because I can, I can feel that somebody's like, see, I don't need no pastor. And yeah, no, 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 that's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is that we can get so blinded by religion and we can get so caught up in ministry and we can get so caught up in looking right for the right people that we don't really care how we look to the eyes of the Lord. And that's the problem with the American church. The problem with the American church is that we care so much about what everybody else thinks about us that we don't even really account to, how, to, to think about what God thinks about us. We, we are so quick to, to obey and to say yes to man, and we're so slow to obey and say yes to God. Why is that? Because man could see our immediate, immediate response where we feel as if we can hide from God. That is the issue. When you look at the, the way the world is, you say, man, churches must be shrinking. They're actually not. They're growing. How is that possible? Could it be that churches have kept their platform but lost their power? Could it be that, that churches have kept the name but lost the meaning? Could it be that Christians have, have forgotten the value of the presence of the living God? Could it be that Christians in American society have decided to write off the holiness of God in exchange for cultural acceptance? This is the church that, this is the American church that we speak of. And I'm here to tell Reach Paramount as if I would tell my home church right there back in Huddle. Listen, we are not called to blend in. We are not called to act like every other church. We're not called to look like every other church. We're called to be the light of the world. We're called to make a difference. And so the message that I've come to tell you today is you've got to keep fighting. You've got to keep going. You've got to keep pressing in when people are telling you to stop. You've got to keep acting different when people are telling you to conform because the world needs real churches. The world needs spirit filled, filled with the power and the presence of God. That's what they need. Not these sugar-coated messages with, with, with all of the... The bowing down to culture. This is the sad part of the church. Is we've become so focused on the darkness of the world, we don't see the hypocrisy in our own lives. 
Because we can talk about the church as a whole, but the church as a whole is made up of many individuals. And we're so quick to point out the sins of the world when God has been trying to get you right for a long time. We're so quick to talk about, oh, abortion this and gay marriage that and transgender this, yet you still can't forgive. Yet, yet you still have hate in your heart and bitterness in your heart. Yet you still look at pornography. You talk about perversion, your perversion is just as bad. But we're so quick to talk about how bad the world is and we're distracted from how bad we are. And because we're distracted from how bad we are, we can't actually give the, the world what it needs. We're trying to heal the world by being sick ourselves. Now again, this is not anybody in this church because I know this church. We're all good here. But this is the reality of Christianity. Christianity has become self-help. It's, man, dude, this is great. I got hype up here. I need you to multiply yourself all around the room. We, we, that's the reality of the Christian society. Listen to this, another quote, Revival Terry's. Listen to this. I do not marvel so much at the patience of the Lord with the stony-hearted sinners of the day. After all, would we not be patient with a man both blind and deaf? And such are the sinners. But I do marvel at the Lord's patience with the sleepy, sluggish, selfish church. A prodigal church in a prodigal world is God's real problem. You, you want to see revival? It starts with you. It starts with you. It starts with somebody who would get sick enough of the casual, religious, Christian life. And somebody who would allow God to set them on fire. Somebody who would allow God to burn away the things that they hold most dear to. I even look at my own life and I'm like, trust me, as I was putting this sermon together, I had like six altar calls in my office. God, I'm sorry. God, I did, I'm sorry again. You just keep going. Matthew 7, 5, you hypocrite, first take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. Is there sin in your life? Tell me. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> are there things in your life that are ungodly? Are you sleeping with somebody who's not your spouse? Are you living with somebody who's not your spouse? Oh, it's just a paper. Marriage, it's just a paper license. The marriage license. People have told me, well, if, is it okay if we commit to God but not to the state? And I say, if you won't commit to the state, you will not commit to God. <laughs> like, if you can't even go that, that service level. But are, are you in these relationships that... They're not right. And, it, and it's funny. It's funny. Listen, this what's, what's, kind of, what's kind of ironic about this whole thing is we're like, man, if only the world would turn to God and just stop doing this nonsense. But what about you? Well, what I'm doing is not that bad. <laughs> like, see, the world doesn't have the grace that I have. 
me and God, we got this deal worked out. Like, he's allowing me to sin. He's, this is cool with him because I'm going to marry her eventually. Again, there's nobody here because this is the best part about not knowing all you guys. <laughs> is I could just say this stuff and... Repentance is what's necessary for the Christian. We will never see the fruit of revival until we bear the crushing of repentance. Until we understand that if I really want God to move in my life, I have to surrender everything. I have to give up everything. Now listen, my goal tonight was not to get you hyped and excited about a sermon. Because sermons can't save you. One Wednesday night isn't going to change everything. We have to make a daily decision to repent. We have to make a daily decision. I firmly believe that this church will be a house that exemplifies what a true move of God looks like. I really believe that. When I was standing here during worship, when I was standing here during the worship, that's why I said during prayer, we don't need to invite him. He's already here. And I feel like this is one of those churches that, that it's almost like God's inviting you into his presence. Can I get another water? There's like a fly in my water. It's the devil. I probably drank it with the fly in there too. It's the devil. Wow, we caught the fly, guys. Amen. There we go. That is so strange, huh? Beelzebub. Where's... Well, that was fast. Thank you. And it was open. Wow. The training is on point here. But if we, want, if we want to be an example of revival, we must understand that we have to come to a true place of repentance. Repentance is a great thing. Repentance is beautiful. Repentance is, is turning to the Lord. It's putting down your junk and the stuff that you're like, man, you know it's not good for you anyway. You know it's not fulfilling for you anyway. And it's giving it to the Lord. It's coming to God and saying, I'm, I'm broken. I need you. It's, it's saying, I don't want that old life anymore. And the truth is this, is that if you feel the need to repent, then you should rejoice. Because the Spirit of God is still speaking to you. If you feel the need to repent, you should have joy in your heart. That you're his son and you're, you're his daughter. And he's, he's speaking to you and bringing that correction. Because he loves you. 2 Corinthians 7.10 For godly grief produces a repentance that leads to salvation without regret. Whereas the worldly grief produces death. When we talk about repentance, it's just responding to the conviction of the Holy Spirit. Now, if you don't feel conviction, you should be scared. If you don't feel that conviction, you should be worried. But I'm so glad when God convicts me. I, I, I'm so happy because I'm like, thank God you're still watching over me. Thank God you still care about me. How, how awful would it be if I never corrected my kids? And trust me, they need a lot of correction. A lot. But I correct them because I love them. I correct them because they're, they're living a life that I don't want them to live. It's not good for them. 
I get the most mad at them when they do something dangerous. That's when I get really angry. When they run into the street, that's when I get really upset. Why? Because I love them and I care about them. I don't want anything bad to happen to them. So when God is convicting you, we have to stop saying, well, he's, God, I just want to have fun and you're just mad at me. And, and no, 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 no. He loves you. He cares about you. That's why he's convicting you. You're like, God, would you just let me be in this relationship? God, would you just let me watch these things? Lord, would you just let me go to these places? No, he, he won't because he loves you too much. He loves you too much to let you be like that. And to let you go to those places. Galatians 5.24, those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. It's the Holy Spirit that leads us to repentance. And it's the Holy Spirit that allows us to die to our old self. You can be holy. 1 Peter 1.16 says, since it is written, you shall be holy for I am holy. Listen, Christian believer, you can live a holy life. I feel like sometimes we're like, well, you know, Pastor Omar could be holy, but not me. For sure, Pastor Rob. I, I think he's God's favorite. <laughs> when I saw his new truck, I was like, well, he's definitely God's favorite. <laughs> He could be holy, but not me. I've got too many issues. No, 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 no. From the pastor to the visitor. We can live a holy, sinless life with the Lord. This life that we don't have to live in the bondage of sin. It's possible. It takes dying to yourself. It takes repenting of your sins. It's walking in this new lifestyle. If I could have the worship team come up. This does not mean I'm almost finished. I just want you to know. I don't want anybody to get their hopes up. Although I have a date with the hat tonight. That is not an open invitation. Um, anyway. <laughs> Repentance is, is, a, is to live in a renewed lifestyle. Galatians 2.20 says, I've been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. The true sign of revival in the believer is that you begin to act like Jesus. You can speak in all the tongues that you want. You can pray for all the sick people you want. You can cast out all the demons that you want to. But if you're mean... If you're harboring unforgiveness, if you're impatient, if you're unkind. Revival is when the believer starts to act like Christ. Again, we, we, we look at revival and we're like, man, revival is these big moments and these big services. No, 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 no. Revival looks like you treating your wife right. <laughs> that, Right? What good is it if you could preach a great sermon, but your kids don't like you? What good is it if you could preach a great sermon, but your marriage is falling apart? Revival isn't the displaying of these practical gifts. Revival is when we, we begin to walk in the fruit of the Spirit. That's what revival looks like. It's when the believer actually lives according to the Spirit of God. 
It's when we stop living like the world. We stop talking like the world. We stop thinking like the world. I'll say this. In the last two years, you know what it's really exposed? How depraved our thinking is. How often believers can come into agreement with, with disgusting, sinful agendas. I was so shocked when, when Texas passed the, the, the abortion law over, the, over there in Texas where it's not legal in Texas anymore. I celebrated it. And guess who came against me? Christians. Isn't that incredible right now? Some of you are, 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 are you're, you're just twisting in your seat because you're bothered that I'm talking about it. Revival is when our mindsets begin to line up with the mind of God. That's what revival looks like. Revival looks like when you begin to honor each other. You begin to love one another. That's revival. You could have a great worship team, but nobody's going to want to come to a toxic church. Revival is when, when believers start to live like the Bible says. That's revival. It's this simple life of walking with Jesus. You're patient. You're kind. You're loving. You forgive easily. That's revival. Revival is when you're no longer living for yourself. But you're fully devoted to the will of God. That's revival. And in this revival, what begins to happen is as we begin to live like Jesus, we begin to live for what he lived for. What did Jesus say often? He says, I'm about my father's business. I'm about my father's business. What was his father's business that all would come to know him? His father's business was that the lost would be found. His fa the father's business was that the broken would be restored. It was, it was his father's business that many would come to know Jesus. And when we become like Jesus, we begin to care about the things that he cared about. Revival is like fire that burns our selfish desires and produces a God-given burden. Do you know why there is mass salvation during a revival? It's because Christians start to care. Christians actually begin to care about the lost. You know you're having your, your revival in your own life when you finally get on your knees and cry out for people you don't even know. You know you're having revival in your life when you start to lift and say, I want to be the light to the world. I want people to know Jesus. Caring about the lost is a sign of revival in your life. Caring about somebody who doesn't know Jesus. Can I ask you, when was the last time you got on your knees and prayed for them? You could pin it on your pastors. You could pin it on your leaders. But revival rests in the hands of the believer. When was the last time you cried for those who were entering into hell apart from the Lord? Apart from the salvation through Jesus? When's the last time you witnessed to your family that didn't know him? When's the last time you witnessed to your co-workers that didn't know Jesus? When's the last time you, you talked to a stranger about the love of God? When was the last time that you did that? We complain about the darkness of the world, yet we hide the light. How can we as believers blame the world? They're blind, they're deaf. It's on us. 
to preach the gospel. And I believe there's, there's what you would call a remnant of people who would say, I want to see this revival. And I'll do whatever it takes to, to see it come to pass. I believe there are people who are crying out for a move of God. Acts 2, verse 1, says, when, they, when the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. And suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. And divided tongues as a fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them. And they were all filled to the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. There were people that were willing to wait on God. And they experienced one of the greatest revivals ever written about. We are a byproduct of this moment. But Christians, we have to, we have to come to grips. We have to get it that this is not just a church thing. This is not a religious thing. This is a daily lifestyle. The way that we're, if we're going to see revival, it takes repentance, but it takes prayer. It takes prayer. Prayer is, if you look again, you read throughout history, and you look at the revivals, you know how most of them started? Like one or two people in a prayer room. I think it was the Brooklyn Tabernacle. They had this mass revival and it started because their church was dying and the only thing they could do was pray on a Tuesday night. And they just got there and they prayed. And they prayed, Lord, send revival. Lord, send it. But you know what's going to lead you to prayer is when you start to care. You're never going to pray for it if you don't care about it. But I believe that there are people that God wants to use. There are people who desire to see a move of the Lord. There's another book, I forget what it's called. It's written by Ian Bounds. And there's this quote that I, I just love this quote. It says, men are God's method. The church is looking for better methods. God is looking for better men. What the church needs today is not more machinery or better. Not new organizations or more novel methods. But men who the Holy Spirit can use. Men of prayer. Men mighty in prayer. The Holy Spirit does not come on machinery, but on men. He does not anoint plans, but men. Men of prayer. Prayer is the seed for revival. Prayer is a seed for revival. Now this may not apply to everybody, but I believe there are some, and I'm, I'm here to inspire you today. Could we, could we begin to pray to see a move of God again? Could we be, begin to get on our knees and begin to press in? Our, our prayers for revival today may feel like seeds among fields of weeds. But God will, what does it say? One plants, one waters, but it's God who brings the increase. We want to see revival. It's going to take seeds of prayer. 
Look at, and when I talk about revival, I'm not just talking about you. I'm talking about you and your sons and your daughters and their sons and their daughters and their sons and their daughters. I'm talking generation after generation. We want to see these fruits of revival. I heard a pastor say it this, this way one day that we pray that our children eat from the seeds we planted. That our children eat the fruit of the seeds we planted for revival. Look at, aren't you amazed by what God is doing in this church? Aren't you amazed by that? Come on, isn't God doing something incredible here? Can I tell you something? I, I really felt this strong in my spirit when we were d- during worship. This, what you're experiencing now is fruits from seeds that your pastor planted 30 plus years ago. What you're experiencing today is seeds from pastors that have been through this church, leaders that have been through this church, that we got on our knees. I was one of them on my knees right here. I remember praying, God, send people to to this church or let us see salvation. I remember praying, God, anoint the worship. God, bring people to the altar. Remember having these conversations of like, man, we got to get people to the altar to worship. And I was there. We were praying for it. You're reaping seed. You're reaping fruit from people who planted seeds. But can I tell you, revival can't stop here. Revival can't stop here maybe you've got to plant some seeds maybe you in the back got to plant some seeds that one day somebody else will come into the church and experience a move of God why because you prayed because you pressed in could it be that there's another pastor angel Flores sitting in this church right now could it be that there's another pastor Eddie sitting in this church right now could it be that there's another pastor Omar sitting in this church right now that if you were to just stop living your old life if we were to just get over the old things and the old flesh and say God I'm sick of that I'm sick of my old life I want revival I want to see you come I want to see you move Could we have a church that would stand and say, Lord, I'm not giving up. God, I'm not giving in. Could we have a church that would get on their knees and begin to press in? God, the devil's not going to stop me. I'm not going to give up. I'm not going to stop praying. Could we have a church that would plant seeds and seeds and seeds of faith that would give up all those old things? That would give up all that old junk and say, I'm done living this dumb, fake Christianity. I'm going all in for Jesus. I'm going all in. I've decided to follow Jesus. I've decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. I'm not living my life so that I can experience revival on my own. I'm living my life that my grandkids could walk in a legacy of revival. I'm living my life that my great-grandkids, I'm living a life that when I'm dead and gone, they'll look back and say, oh, our great-great-great-grandfather was a preacher, and he was a man who believed that God would move, and we're experiencing that today. But can I tell you this? Listen, listen, listen. I'm nothing special. We're on the same playing field. All it is is the grace of God, and he has the same grace for you. The only difference between me and some of you is that I said no to my flesh. But I'm going to call you right now. If you're saying, man, I'm one of two things. I need to repent of some things in my life. i got to get some things right. That's one of them. Second is I'm, I'm, I'm going all in for revival. I'm pressing in. I'm going to be a man or a woman of prayer. You need to get out of your seat and come to the altar. You need to get out of your seat and come to the altar. Let's press in together. Maybe some of you have really strong uh, bondages in your life that are that are hindering you from growth. Get out of your seat. Let's pray.
Come on, come on. Move in, move in. There's space. Squeeze in, squeeze in. Let's pray together. Don't grow timid now, church. Don't grow timid now, church. Press in, press in, press in, press in. Come on, press in, press in, press in. We want to see a move of God. We want to see a move of God. We want to see a move of the Spirit, a genuine, life-changing move of the Spirit of God in the city of Paramount. We want to see it. Come on, press in. Are you upset about all these things that were past? Are you upset about all the darkness that we see in the world? Then press in. Then press in. Stop complaining and begin to pray. Stop complaining and begin to pray. Stop complaining, begin to pray. Stop complaining and begin to pray. Begin to ask him, Lord, would you send your spirit? Lord, would you show mercy? God, give us mercy. Lord, show this state mercy. God, show my family mercy. Come on, press into it. Press into it. I feel this in my spirit. Some of you are, 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 are intimidated to pray out loud. You're intimidated to pray out loud. So this is what we're going to do. We're going to press into that. And so for just a moment, I'm going to have the worship just kind of play quietly. And I want you to lift your voice. Come on. You know who you are. You've been intimidated. Come on, show the, show the, show the devil. He's not going to intimidate you anymore. Begin to lift your voice. Begin to ask the Lord, send revival. Come on, begin to ask him, send revival. Come on, church. Lift your voices, church. Don't be intimidated. Don't be intimidated. Don't be intimidated. Who cares what people think? Who cares what people say about you? Holy Spirit, right now we pray. Lord, we repent of our sins, Lord. We lay it down at the altar, the things that we've been carrying. God, we lay down the things of our lives that are not in alignment with your word. God, we lay down our rebellion. We lay down our flesh. Lord, we lay down our, our perverted mindsets, God. We lay down our addictions and our, and our struggles, God. We lay down our, our unhealthy habits, God. We lay these things down to you, and we ask, Lord, that you would turn us around. Make us more like Jesus. Make us more like Jesus. We want to see revival. We want to see revival. We want a genuine rejuvenation. We want a genuine move of God. Thanks so much for listening to this message from Reach Church Paramount. To stay connected with us, follow us on Instagram or Facebook at Reach Paramount. To give and support this podcast and ministry, visit our website at reachparamount.com give.